I'm on your schedule. You're I so have nice. just so many places to be today. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I have tons of plans. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> put scones in the oven after this. Ooh, that um, sounds good. What so kind of scones? Just plain. I didn't have any toppings um, in my cupboard. Also, I like them plain because then I get to put as much butter and jam as I want on them. Oh, good point. Which is pretty tasty. All right. Cool. I have to do an introduction. Don't I can't wait. Of me. <laughs> I won't. I won't. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So we're going to do a little bonus episode today. Hopefully you all saw the Crew Dragon launch. If you didn't, don't worry. The footage is definitely still out there. Kenna couldn't join us, but don't worry. You won't have to listen to just me. My friend Sammy is here. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? My name is Samantha, better known as Sammy. I am currently a mechanical engineer. I have a bachelor's of science degree in aerospace engineering, and I've been working in aviation and aerospace for about five years now. I know Anna and Henna. They're both great friends of mine. You and your podcast are awesome. Listening to it, you know, you guys are my friends, and Listening to it, it sounds like you're in the same room with me, which especially during these times of quarantine and working from home, it's so comforting to listen to my friends talk about cool space stuff. So I'm excited. I'm so excited you're here. It's so sweet that you say that. I was so honored and you're like, I listened to it. I was like, do you really? I didn't know if you'd be too tired of listening to our voices all day anyway. But that's so oh nice no, not not at all. I I think maybe my favorite episode is the space hibernation one so that far. That was fun. I like that one too. That was Hannah's idea. That was a really good idea. And then I saw you put out the episode on vibration a few days ago, and I'm looking forward to listening to that one. It's It'll be good. Tricky stuff. It, just the math behind it still really overwhelms me. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? I sometimes I look at these graphs and like, what what exactly am I looking at? <laughs> I have no idea. All right. Welcome, everybody. I'm Anna. I'm Sammy. And this is, but, but it, it is, is Rocket, Rocket Science. Science. You watched, obviously you watched Crew Dragon. We talked about it, which is why you're here. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, it was amazing. so amazing. Yes. Just to preface, this isn't going to be a really in-depth episode all about Crew Dragon. We were just going to talk about the launch. And then in the future, we can do an episode if there's interest for that. But it was so cool. So it launched yesterday, May 30th at, what was it? Was it 1230, around 1230 Pacific time? So 330. Yes. 330 Eastern. And they had instantaneous launch window. Yes. Do you want to explain what that means? Sure. In order to time the vehicle's arrival at the space station correctly and efficiently, they have to know the time window of when the launch can occur. And sometimes for certain launches, it's it's several minutes or hours. But because the precision was very important to arrive at the space station's orbit, they had an instantaneous launch window. And if, if they launched outside of that, it wouldn't have worked. Is my understanding. Yeah, Yeah, that's a perfect explanation. (laughs) If you watch some other rocket launches, with very commonly with vehicles that are trying to meet up with the International Space Station, the International Space Station is doing its own orbits around Earth. I think it's a 350 kilometer circular orbit. Yeah, just about that, I think. 
it actually changes. So over time, the ISS sink down and they have to bolster it back up. Yeah, it's cool. It is cool. But that's a side note. Oh, it's a 400 kilometer orbit. I was 50 kilometers off. Oops. <laughs> but, um, wow, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My memory is not perfect. It's a 400 kilometer circular orbit, which just means that it's a circle. <laughs> And so you have to catch it, and so you have to launch within a very short period of time. So if you watch some other vehicles, you'll see if there something is going on, it'll they'll hold. They'll be like, okay, we're going to hold for an hour. We're going to hold for 20 minutes. They can't do that, which is why the original launch on Wednesday, they couldn't make happen, even though it was possible the weather could clear up later in the day. They had to push it to Saturday. And if they couldn't have launched in that period of Saturday, they were going to have to go today. But fortunately, they went yesterday, which was good, because I don't think I personally could have handled another day of that. Right. But, yeah. Where where were you on, on Wednesday or what were you doing? And then on, on Saturday, so yesterday. On Wednesday, it was in the middle of my work day. So I had the webcast going in the background starting in the morning. And it was really interesting. I learned a lot of cool stuff. And then on Saturday, I had it up and I actually within, I think it was 20 minutes before it was supposed to go. I called my dad and he and I watched it together, which was really fun. Nice. Yeah. And then I actually woke up this morning it was really early. <laughs> woke up really early in my time <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> oh, man. I felt so guilty because I was watching. I was so excited, but I was also so sleepy. I was, like, having trouble keeping my eyes open. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> you can't miss it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was the same for me because I went to bed a little later last night because I wanted to keep too. the live stream up. That's exactly what I, I did, to, too. I had to force myself to go to sleep. <laughs> I did too, later than I would like to admit to. But <laughs> it was really cool to watch a doc this morning. That was amazing. Yeah, the live stream as a whole has been very impressive. I couldn't believe all the, the video and angles and the radio comms we were able to listen into. Yeah, it was the, amazing. I was just excited because the woman, the SpaceX employee who was giving uh, the commands to the ISS and Dragon about mating her name was Anna so I was really excited <laughs> I, I I thought that too I thought of you <laughs> oh I'm so honored they would say her name and I was like ah <laughs> I'm basically there <laughs> copy Roger over so I figured we'd just give a little bit of an intro in case anybody's tuning in who doesn't know about Crew Dragon or SpaceX Figured we'd start with what is SpaceX. It's a private American space company founded in 2002 by Elon Musk. If you know his name, it's probably because he's also the founder and CEO of Tesla. But the current president of SpaceX is a woman named Gwen Shotwell. They actually showed her. They talked to her a couple of times during the live stream, and it was really interesting to listen to her. She's a really cool woman. She's had a really great career path. She's very impressive. Yeah. Talk about a role model. Yeah, actually, though, she's, I mean, it's really impressive. And it's just, it's so awesome to me that it's a woman. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a rarity, but it is. We're getting there. And yeah, so- I think I saw a Forbes article that deemed her the, the 55th most powerful woman in the world. Whoa. Pretty Good exciting. for her. Yeah. <laughs> That's really impressive. She deserves it. Mm-hmm. So I figured we'd start with, what is Crew Dragon? So Crew Dragon is a variant of the Dragon 2. And Dragon 2 is a reusable spacecraft developed and manufactured by SpaceX. And it's the successor to Dragon 1, which was only a cargo spacecraft. So Crew Dragon, from its name you can probably ascertain, 
is the crew variant. The other variant of Dragon 2 is Cargo Dragon, which only carries cargo. Crew Dragon is a human-rated capsule, and it's capable of ferrying up to seven astronauts. It's launched atop of the Falcon 9 Block 5 rocket, and it returns to Earth via an ocean splashdown. The Falcon 9 rocket is a reusable vehicle, and it launches out of a pad down at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The first stage is reusable, and they show that in the live cast, but they actually, <laughs> they, the video, I guess, didn't work for the second in which it was physically landing. So you saw it come down to the mm-hmm. boat, and then it went out. And then I just assumed something bad had happened, and they lost it, and then a second later it came right. back. I was bummed out we didn't get to physically see that, like, second of landing, but beautiful to see it on the boat. Yeah. One second it wasn't there, and then the next second it appeared. <laughs> My dad and I were on the phone, and we were like, oh, no! And then before we were done saying that, it was already back. We were like, wait, what happened? (laughs) If you've seen it, Crew Dragon brought astronauts Doug Hurley and Bob Benkin to the ISS. And fun enough, I didn't actually know this, but they're best friends. Yeah, I learned that in the last couple of days as well. Something about them just being adult men who are like, yeah, we're best friends. I'm like, that's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, so both of them are former military test pilots who have each been to space twice on the space shuttle missions, but they weren't together on those missions at the same time. So they both have experience in space and piloting vehicles. And then they're actually both married to astronauts, which is something I didn't know until a couple of days ago either. Mm-hmm. I know. I thought that was so fun. So Doug Hurley is married to a woman named Karen Nyberg. And what I think is really cool about Karen Nyberg, I mean, all astronauts are really cool. What I particularly like about Karen Nyberg is that she's a mechanical engineer and my degrees are in mechanical engineering. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fun. Yeah, that is pretty, it's pretty cool. The more mechanical engineers, the better. You're actually, you work as a mechanical engineer, but your degrees are in aerospace. So you went the other way. Yeah, we're a little bit (laughs) flip-flopped. I personally think you have the cooler title (laughs) of aerospace engineer. I don't know. (laughs) I like to think of myself as a space plumber (laughs) because I work on the hydraulic systems and all the fluid piping, stuff like that. (laughs) You're my favorite space plumber. (laughs) On that note, Um, actually, a a great segue. (laughs) So they, I was curious about this because I didn't know. Somebody I know mentioned this to be like, do they have a, like a bathroom in the Crew Dragon capsule? Because I would imagine they would have to. They're in there for 19 hours. So that was how long the trip took. I think it took a little bit less from KSC to the ISS. And apparently they do have some kind of fancy new bathroom that Mm -hmm. is all secretive. They haven't showed it or talked about it. Apparently they're not even going to say whether or not it worked well until after they come back after they've done their time on the ISS and they come back. So I'm like, what is this bathroom? (laughs) That's interesting. I did hear some of their comms over the downlink when they were reporting how much water was being used and some of that water was being used for waste. So maybe that's a clue. And (laughs) they would turn off the video stream intermittently. Maybe that was for privacy reasons, question mark. (laughs) I don't blame them. They were started in the spacesuits, which are really cool. They were designed by SpaceX. They're an entirely new spacesuit, the flight suit, which are pressurized and everything. And then they switched out into what looks like a polo and khakis, which made me laugh. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think to be like, there's spacemen in this crazy new spaceship and they're wearing a polo and khakis, which is just not the futuristic outfit I would imagine. But I bet yeah. it's comfortable. I, yeah, that surprised me too. I didn't actually know or think about if they would take off completely their spacesuits. I didn't either until I saw the until I saw the stream and I was like, oh, they changed, which I guess makes sense because I doubt those suits are comfortable for the long term. Mm-hmm. But I don't know; it still made me laugh. I was like, I somehow didn't imagine they changed into a polo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess but, that just goes to show how advanced that vehicle is. It's beautiful on the inside. It looks glamorous in there. It is. It's so sleek and futuristic. The touchscreen displays uh, Yeah, incredible looking. It looked very simple and streamlined. Yeah, I saw a really cool image. If I can find it, I'll post it on our Instagram where they did side by side by side of the Apollo to the shuttle to the Dragon crew capsule. And Mm. darn, Apollo and shuttle, it's intense. It's just like knobs everywhere. It's like a tin can in there. Like (laughs) (laughs) It worked. It was very effective. And they didn't know what they were doing. Of course, it's not going to be the most beautiful interior the first time around. It's just the sheer number of knobs that these astronauts had to learn. They had to learn where they were placed. They had to memorize them. It's just insane compared to the beautiful streamlined touchscreen displays they have in Dragon. Yeah, it's true. You're absolutely right. I can't imagine all of the failure modes and human factors associated with all of those knobs. I'm sure, obviously, there's still the same things with the touchscreens and the Dragon controls. Everything was very elegant and simple looking. That's a great adjective. It was elegant. It just looked, it looked like what they had in sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. It was really impressive. And then, oh, we skipped ahead. Sorry, Bob. We can talk about your wife, too. <laughs> <laughs> Going back. We got oh, yeah. you excited. <laughs> we got so excited. <laughs> I was like, Karen Iberg's a mechanical engineer. Bob Benkin's wife is also very impressive. He is married to a woman named Megan MacArthur. And she was an oceanographer who was part of the shuttle mission that made one last visit in 2009 to repair and upgrade the Hubble Space Telescope. So that's really interesting that she's an oceanographer. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either until researching this. And then both Doug and Bob actually have sons. They both have a single son with their wives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was sweet to see their families wave to them outside the Teslas that would bring them to the rocket when they got to say goodbye to their families. It was really cute. It was also, they did a really interesting, in the live stream intermittently, they would have interviews where they interviewed both Doug and Bob and then their wives, Karen and Megan, and they both talked about seeing somebody you love go to space on the space shuttle. It was just really powerful to listen to. I think it kind of humanizes the whole thing because you watch this and you're like, oh, these people are going to space. These are real people with families (laughs) and wives and kids. Right. Real people. But can you imagine those power couples? I know. (laughs) having two astronauts as parents and astronaut family. I know. Darn. (laughs) That's quite the legacy to live up to. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like you were saying in the video, Doug and Bob had really kind, heartwarming things to say about their family and about the whole process. It was really sweet. I highly recommend you go check them out and watch them. All right, hopping back. 
this launch is a big deal for a lot of reasons. The major one that's discussed, it is the first time astronauts have been launched into orbit from U.S. soil since the shuttle program ended in 2011. I remember when the shuttle program ended, and I remember being really sad, but understanding why it had to end. 2011, I think, is right on that cusp of kind of when private space is really starting to break out, starting to become something that was acknowledged by the public. Right. Yeah. What were you doing in 2011? I was still in high school. <laughs> I was a senior. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> I vaguely remember from senior year of high school. I remember um, being bummed out, but I don't think I truly understood what that meant. That is a huge deal. It's a huge deal that we have the capability to launch astronauts from U.S. soil to the ISS. Previously, we were using Soyuz capsules, which are Russian, but now we have the ability again in the U.S. What's also really impressive about this is it's the first private space company to send astronauts into orbit. Depending on some definitions, it's the first private space company to send astronauts into space at all. Virgin Galactic has sent pilots in its VSS Unity space plane. However, it technically did not cross the Kármán line. The Kármán line is 100 kilometers, and I believe Virgin Galactic only gets to 85, 86 kilometers. So yep. they're not quite... But there's some arguments about... So the Kármán line... Sammy, do you want to explain that to us? You have a really good explanation for this. Sure, I'll try. The Kármán line is an imaginary altitude, a radius height from Earth that we call officially space. And it has to do a little bit with the atmosphere and the air content at that altitude. Below that altitude, the atmosphere is thick enough where vehicles' flight control surfaces are more effective. But above that line, you need other means of controls like rocket propulsion or attitude controls. And then I do believe that the U.S. military and the Air Force have a, a different definition where the pilots are awarded their space wings. I didn't know that. I have to fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you but, because I saw First Man, uh, right? In First Man, in one of the first scenes, Neil Armstrong's in an airplane. It's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> but in the first scene, Neil Armstrong yeah. is in an airplane and he actually is above the atmosphere and so his pencil is floating because yep and it's a whole big thing you should watch the movie i don't want to spoil it for you (laughs) yeah that is a really good movie (laughs) it is but i could see how that would be considered spaceflight you're outside of the effects of gravity of the earth right according to google which i just looked up the u.s air force calls it approximately 80 kilometers where they get their astronaut wings I think that was the rationale that Virgin Galactic used, but I don't know. Where do you stand on that debate, Anna? I don't know. I've never been to either of those heights, so I can really <laughs> only say so much. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm partial to the Carmen line. To me, it's when you need other controls and you have to adapt your technology to handle different environments. I would call that space. But also, I've been to none of these heights, so my (laughs) opinion only should be taken with a grain of salt. (laughs) I don't know. I I completely agree with you. The higher, the better, I think. Although, the Virgin Galactic vehicle looks like an exciting ride. It does. Honestly, if I was offered a ride on it, I'd take it in a second (laughs) and I'd tell everybody I went to space. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But it looks really cool. Yeah. There is some debate. There is some question about whether or not Virgin Galactic has sent pilots to space or not. So that is up to you. You can make your own opinion. 
But either way, this is the first private space company to send astronauts into orbit, which is just a huge jump for private space companies as a whole. Yes, yes, very big. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. I remember hearing, I think it was back in February, SpaceX announced a partnership with Space Adventures, where they might be sending customers and tourists in Dragon as soon as the next couple of years. Whoa. Yeah, I guess SpaceX is entering the tourism market. So it'll be interesting. It will be. It's really cool. That brings up a good point. There's a maximum of seven seats on Crew Dragon. They can fit seven astronauts in there. What's also really interesting to me is that you can have an astronaut who's up to six foot eight, which is significantly higher than any other vehicle has been able to accommodate. That's really see- tall. <laughs> Yeah, I have a younger brother who's six foot seven, and he is very tall. So I was like, (laughs) so he can go to space now. (laughs) He probably definitely does not want to go to space. But so that was really interesting to me that they're able to do that. I think previously it was only like six two, six three, and even before then, John Glenn, who was the first U.S. man to go to space, was five ten. The Mercury was really small, and then Yuri Gagarin, who was the first man in space, I think it was a Vostek. He was shorter too, just because they could not get that much mass up there. They had they it was very space limited. Just the improvement that they've been able to get simply with astronaut height. Yeah, it is very interesting. It's a, a potential perk and bonus for the short people like myself. We uh, require less resources and less mass. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, the dragons really advanced what we can do with materials to get that mass lower for more bodies. Yeah, so they can fit up to seven people. I think they said they would only ever take four astronauts, four NASA astronauts, I think I read somewhere. I don't know if it'll be like, we'll use seven seats for commercial flights, or if there's going to be four astronauts and then we're going to fill it with other payload like supplies. Mm -hmm. Or it's also, you have to be really careful that these vehicles are balanced correctly. You can't just put seven people in there and have a whole bunch of football players and then three (laughs) regular people on the other side. You'll end up with some uh, center of gravity problems. Yeah, the CG and the weight tracking is very important. And then, I don't know. That's all I had. Did you see the sparkly dinosaur they had in there? I did. That was so cute. I thought so too. I don't know if you caught their story, but apparently no. both of their sons, Doug and Bob's sons, are into dinosaurs. I like and dinosaurs so, too. <laughs> and so they rounded up all the dinosaurs between the two households, and that one was the winner. I forget what they called it, maybe Shimmer or something. The boy's dinosaur toy got to fly in space. Cute. <laughs> I thought it was cute. I thought it was so fun. I was like, oh my God, it's a sparkly dinosaur. (laughs) I didn't know I wanted that on there, but I do. (laughs) Right. For a brief moment, I was slightly concerned because I thought it was covered in sequins. And if anyone is aware of FOD or foreign object debris and how easily sequins come off of toys. (laughs) Yeah, or anyone who has ever worn a sequin dress and it's just like falling off. (laughs) Right, but I don't think it actually was sequins when they uh, showed it again. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. That's very smart. That is a quality engineering thinking right there. But (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is future Anna. As I was listening to this, Sammy is 100% right. The dinosaur toy 
that Bob and Doug brought to space, or is commonly referred to as their stowaway, is a T.Y. Beanie Baby officially named Tremor. And it is covered in sequins. It's covered in those sequins that flip. So they're, I think it looks like it's blue or teal on one side and pink on the other. You can actually buy it. They sell it. I'm sure you can find it on the internet if you just type in Tremor Beanie Baby. But it is covered in sequins. Sammy was right. All right, back to your previously scheduled content. But, oh, yeah. Did you see, apparently, I read this article that there's some talking, and they actually talked about it briefly in the live stream, that they want to get Tom Cruise to make a movie in space, I think using Dragon. That would be awesome. I thought so, too. Did you hear about that? Yeah. I just heard some of their dialogue on the live stream, but not anything more. I heard about it on the live stream, and then I was like, there's no way that's real. So I did what anybody would do, and I Googled it. (laughs) And I found a Wired article about it, which I think is a pretty quality source. Apparently, little is known about the plot, but according to Wired, Tom Cruise is working with NASA and SpaceX to try to make a movie in space, which I think would be really cool. That would be really cool. So it it would actually take place in space, not a Hollywood effects studio. I think so. I think that's the point. I think. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. <laughs> I think it would be super cool. I think Tom Cruise is a great choice. Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, me too. 100%. Ah, overall, the launch was just amazing. Watching it was just incredible. Did you have a, a favorite part or segment? Well, it was all great. My favorite part of every launch is that second when they fire the engine and for it's my favorite and least favorite part and for a second it looks like it's just not gonna move anywhere and you're like Mm -hmm. oh no oh no because it's like force has to build up for it to get off the pad and it's that Mm -hmm. second it starts to lift up and it leaves and all the umbilicals separate and the tower separates it's just my favorite it's just amazing we're fighting gravity (laughs) yeah yeah you're right for people maybe who don't know like when you first lift off you're at your heaviest weight. Obviously, yes. you're carrying all the propulsion. So you go very slow in the beginning, and it kind of looks like it's about to tip over. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's not going to go anywhere. And that actually has happened. That has happened to many space vehicles in the past. Because going to space isn't an easy thing to do. And so for that split second, you're like, the whole thing's going to fall over. It's over. Or it's just not going to go anywhere. And then it, it does, and it's just magical. But it's also my least favorite moment because it's terrifying. What was right. your favorite moment? Yeah, I loved I loved the launch, the liftoff. I think though my favorite part, this may sound cheesy, is after each milestone, like after main engine cutoff or second engine or separation, is I love hearing the cheering in the back from the people in the control room. I know that's super cheesy, but no, they I love are it just too. so excited. <laughs> It's just, I love that too. I mean, these people, as an engineer, I can, I can, you know, relate. It's just, I can only imagine like seeing that work has to be, I mean, a huge accomplishment. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I also love hearing them make the calls. Like it's so cool to be like, Max Q, main engine cutoff. You're like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to hear them live on the comms is, is really cool. I was excited with how much of the comms they let us hear. Same. Yeah. We were able to hear both the NASA side from Houston in their control room 
and the Dragon SpaceX team. Sometimes they were overlapping. It was cool. It was. I highly recommend you watch the video of mating the ISS to Dragon or Dragon to the ISS. It doesn't even look real. The video is so good. The quality of the video is really incredible. Yeah. It was just, so they made it. They do a soft mate first, which I think is just, we have alignment to make sure everything's okay. And then they actually do all these, I think it's 12 metal clamps that they clamp down and then they connect power and all that good stuff to the ISS. So it's running off of that instead of the batteries. But once they got that all connected and it was all successful and they proclaimed we have successfully docked to the ISS, there are some really beautiful messages that gave Bob and Doug gave a really beautiful message. Houston gave a really beautiful message. SpaceX gave a really beautiful message. That was really incredible. It was really moving. Yeah, I agree. It was very heartwarming. I wasn't expecting to get all of those camera views that we saw of the actual rendezvous and and docking. So that was really neat. And the latches in the docking, I kind of kept thinking of that scene in Interstellar. Have you seen that movie? Yes, of course. (laughs) Of course. There is a scene in Interstellar where one spacecraft is docking to another spacecraft in orbit, very similar to today. But the latches had an imperfect alignment and the computer kept saying, imperfect match, imperfect match, or or something like that. And I just kept thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. (laughs) I didn't even make that connection. You're completely right. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. I think Tom Cruise will be in better hands, though, or in better (laughs) latches (laughs) if he does do this movie. I hope so. I hope they make it happen. I would 100% watch it. Mm-hmm. All in all, it was really beautiful. Can't even accurately express how excited I am that it happened and everything seemed to, from what I saw, it seemed to go off without a hitch. Yeah. I mean, you know, not being there, not knowing, it seemed like that's exactly what you wanted. I don't know yeah. if they had any issues. Congratulations to SpaceX, all the engineers there, NASA, Bob and Doug, their families, private space as a whole. So many wins. So many congratulations. And as a viewer, it was just, I mean, what more could you ask for, really? Really, yeah. Congratulations, everybody. It was spectacular. And it was cool to see with all the social media. I mean, from 2011 to 2020 now, just the increase in social media presence, and they were able to bring it onto the live stream and You could kind of see people around the world dressed up or prepping for it. That's a really good point, because I think when you see old videos of when Apollo 11 happened, or even just when John Glenn went to space, everybody was listening on the radio. I think that's really the first time that astronauts going to space has had such a global impact of everybody being tuned in, everybody's talking about it, since some of the first shuttle missions, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. Everybody I knew was watching, but I also know a lot of people in space, (laughs) so... (laughs) I guess my sample size is a little bit biased. It was neat to see like on Facebook and social media how people from all over the world were tuned in. And I just think it's so exciting that space is cool again. <laughs> like I want <laughs> space to be cool again. I think it's cool. I think it should always be cool. I want people to be excited about it. Obviously, that's why I have a whole podcast from space. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Bringing it back into the spotlight and to popular culture. <laughs> Let's get it back. Space should be cool again. But it was so wonderful. But Oh, and as a very unrelated side note, I started watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and it is adorable. 
Oh, great. Yeah. Anna and I were looking for new shows to watch and we started watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on Hulu, which is an adorable fictional TV show. And the main character is a woman who is the top coder at, at a software company. And she inherits these special powers to hear people's inner feelings through song. <laughs> So when I saw the trailer, I was like, I don't know. Like, I do, really? And then uh-huh. Sammy the other day was like, have you watched this? And I was like, well, I'll give it a try. Like, I'm not doing anything else. So I just, I don't know. It was so sweet to see women in STEM who is also not portrayed as like the nerd or needs to be fixed or get a glow up or anything. But she's a coder and she's a woman and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Exactly. I appreciate all of the kind of focus on emotional awareness and um, yes. I guess, uh, what do they call it? When you work, when you're working on yourself. Self-improvement. Um, yeah. Self, self-improvement, emotional awareness. So one. if you like song and dance and emotions <laughs> and coding. <laughs> well, my favorite things. <laughs> you can watch this show. <laughs> the soundtrack i'm only four episodes in the songs they have chosen are so good they're just so mm-hmm. good they did i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston which i then proceeded to dance around to in my apartment <laughs> so yeah they chose some good ones <laughs> it's really cute completely unrelated but if you're looking for a tv recommendation but thank you so much for doing this with me thank you anna i i'm honored to be here seriously i I'm love so your podcast have you absolutely you and Hannah are the perfect people to be doing this podcast. I love You're so it. so kind. <laughs> oh, we love you. And I was like, ah, oh, Hannah can't be here. I was like, I bet Sammy loves space too. I bet she'd do it. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, as space nerds, we have to unite. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. As per usual, you can find us on Instagram at But It Is Rocket Science. You can find us on Twitter at But It Is RS. You can find our Facebook page, But It Is Rocket Science. And then we have our website, But It Is Rocket Science.com. If you enjoyed this, please check out our website. If you want to learn more about us, check out our website. And then you can actually contact us. So if there's anything you want to let us know, if we said anything wrong, if there's anything you'd like to learn, if you just want to tell us you like the podcast, please send us a message on our contact us page. And then if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. It would mean a lot to us. Thank you so much, Sammy, for being here. We had so much fun with you. I had so much fun with you. I don't know who the we is. I guess the people listening. Thank you. I had so much fun. (laughs) Yay. Thanks for being here. Until next time, Space Cadets. T-minus three, two, one, liftoff. Perfect.